Good morning, First Christian Church. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is of vital importance to the kingdom of God. It was first given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It has been handed down through history to the church in every age and era. It is a threefold mission to change the world. The purpose of the First Christian Church is to love God, love others, and spread the gospel. Failure is not an option. As always, if any of your members should be caught or killed, the Lord will rescue you. There is no secretary to disavow any knowledge of you or your actions. This message will self-destruct in... Wait a minute. Who said anything about self-destructing? What do you mean, self-destruct? Hey, wait! This morning, we are setting about on a mission. Every Sunday morning, before the sermon, what do we do? We repeat our mission statement. The purpose of the First Christian Church is to love God, love others, spread the gospel. Now, you may ask yourselves, why do you do that? If you're new around here, if you've only been coming here for maybe a few weeks, a few months, maybe even a year or so, you may be asking yourselves, why do you guys do that? That is very, very odd and very strange to have this mission statement that we repeat every single week. Why do we do that? Well, let me explain why we do that. When I was in Bible college down in Lincoln, Illinois, I worked at Walmart for about seven, eight months. I worked midnights at Walmart. I was cleaning floors, and I operated the big, heavy scrubbing machinery that would uh, clean the floors, and I'd be there from 10 o'clock at night till 7 o'clock in the morning. And every morning, they had a morning meeting at Walmart. And at the morning meeting, they did the Walmart cheer. How many of you have ever worked for Walmart before? Not a soul. Shannon has. Wow. You all are in for a treat because I'm going to teach you the Walmart cheer. All right. So every, I hated the Walmart cheer. I hated it. And I'll show you why. Anyway, at the morning meeting, they go over the whole day of what the day is going to be like there at Walmart and uh, how happy and wonderful everything is going to be and how you're going to ignore the cut. Never mind. Um, so at the end of the morning meeting, they do the Walmart cheer and everybody starts clapping. I kid you not, it's the most annoying thing in the world. I dreaded it every day. Give me a W. w. Give me an A. a. Give me an L. L. And then they'd say, give me a squiggly. And I kid you not, everybody does that. Hated the Walmart cheer. Ugh. Give me a squiggly. And everybody does this. And give me an L. L. Thank you. Give me an M. A. Give me an a. a. Give me an R. Give me a T. What's that spell? I can't hear you. I, every day, folks, if you've ever been at Walmart, at 7 o'clock in the morning, you will hear this. They do the same thing at Sam's Club. Every day. Every day. I hated it. That's why we do the, the Walmart cheer. That's why we do the First Christian Church mission statement here every Sunday. Not because I hate it. Because at Walmart, what they do is they want to focus. They, they get everybody focused on, on what they're all about. We are Walmart. We do Walmart things. Here at First Christian Church, we are the First Christian Church. We do Christian things. We do church things. We do what our church does. And what our church does is love God, love others, and spread the gospel. That's what we're all about. It is about focusing and, and, and just for one uh, for one just little portion of your week, I just want that reminder in all of our heads, mine too, that this is what we're all about. We have a mission. We have a purpose. 
We are all about loving God, loving others, and spreading the gospel. But why? Why is that our mission? Why do we say that? Why don't we have some other mission? Why don't we have some other purpose statement that we repeat? Well, that is what this sermon series is all about. It is all about the why behind the what. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about these three aspects of our mission statement. We're going to talk about loving God for the month of January. We could talk about loving God every week for the rest of our lives and still not exhaust the topic. But for the month of January, we're going to talk about loving God. In the month of February, we're going to talk about loving others. And I'm really excited about it because we're going to talk not just about loving others like, you know, the people sitting next to you right now. You're looking at each other going, oh, yeah, I love you. You're great. You know, you come to church. We're going to talk about loving your enemies, too. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you what Sunday in February we're going to talk about that because I'll be talking to like six people. And those are going to be the six people who are the enemies of everybody else. <laughs> so we're going to talk about loving others in February. And then in March, we're going to talk about spreading the gospel as we lead up to Resurrection Sunday, which is the first Sunday in April. So that's where we're going for the next three months. Loving God, loving others, spreading the gospel. We're going to exhaust our mission statement. We're going to, you're going to know it forwards and backwards so that if one of our elders, Tony Martinez, walks up to you on a Sunday morning and he says to you, what is the purpose of the First Christian Church? You'll be able to say, love God, love others, spread the gospel. Give me a squiggly. Anyway, so, you know, it sounds like a lot of sermons for a simple mission statement, but the Bible really does have a lot to say about these three topics. And this morning we, talk with our, we start with our first aspect of our mission, mission statement, loving God. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, what does the church's mission statement have to do with me? I mean, it's the church's mission statement. It's the purpose of the church. What, it, what does it have to do with me? Well, we are the church. You, me, everybody here, we are the church. And so what the church is supposed to do, the church is made up of the people. You know, remember the people, that whole thing? You know, we, we, are, the, we are the church. And so what we are to be doing in our lives is what, as a whole, we do together as church. So not only should the church's mission statement be to love God, love others, spread the gospel, but it should be all of our personal mission statement, to love God, to love others, and spread the gospel. Without Christians, there would be no church. The purpose of the Christians who make up the church is the same as the purpose of the church. So the first part of our mission statement is to love God. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That was repeated by Jesus in, both, in all three Gospels of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew uh, twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, in Mark twelve thirty, and Luke ten twenty-seven, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And in two of them, he added mind. We'll get to that in just a second and why. Luke 10, 27, 12, 30 said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Matthew 22, 37 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So what does that mean? What does it mean to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? How do we do that? Let's talk about it for a while. The first aspect of loving God is to love him with all of our hearts. Let's talk about two things. First is the concept of love. What does it mean to love somebody? Boy, that's a deep question. Dude, man, it's 1130 on a Sunday morning. Come on, I'm waiting for the bears to come on. 
Or in my case, my dad's case, we're waiting for the Packers to come on. Little playoff tune-up. Anyway, I'm in trouble for mentioning them. I ever tell you this? Anytime I mention the Packers in a sermon, they lose. Next week is playoffs. You will not hear another peep out of me about my Packers. Anyway, anyway, um, the first, uh, the, the concept of love. In the Greek, there are three major words translated as love. Okay, there is eros, which is kind of a, uh, a physical feeling love uh, between uh, a husband and a wife. There is philia, which is we get the city of Philadelphia, the name from that uh, city of brotherly love. That's a love and affection between two people, not husband and wife. Um, it is a love that is uh, not a romantic love, uh, but it's kind of a, a familial love, a love between friends and family. Finally, there's the word agape, which is the kind of unconditional love that God has for us. And that's the kind of love that we are to have for God in, in when you read the Greek, uh, what Jesus said. When he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are to have that agape, unconditional, special love for God, the same kind of love that he has for us. In the Hebrew, the word used in Deuteronomy is translated as agape in the Greek. So in the Old Testament, the word for love is used 24 times to refer to humanity's love for God. 24 times in the Old Testament, people are commanded to love God. 12 of those instances occur in the book of Deuteronomy. So 12 times in the book of Deuteronomy, half the instances in the entire Old Testament of people being told to love God are in the book of Deuteronomy. The first is there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. All right, so this is a little bit of the background about love. Deuteronomy talks a lot about how humans are to love God. The first word is to love God with all the heart. Now, the Hebrew word for heart can be also translated mind. It could be why Deuteronomy says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and strength, and why the Gospels of Mark and Luke add mind. One word in the Hebrew means both mind and heart. Uh, it takes two words to describe that in the Greek, okay? So I know this is like dry, boring Hebrew <laughs> Greek stuff, but some people like it, like me. Uh, the heart in the Hebrew and the heart and mind in Greek have to do with the will and the emotions. It's about choosing to love God with an emotional feeling kind of love. This is about expressing our love for God with our feelings, you may not be a touchy-feeling kind of person. You may not be a feeling kind of man or a feeling kind of woman. I don't like feelings. I like to think about God. I like to uh, do emotion, not emotional, but intellectual exercises with God. I like to think about God. I'm a God thinker. That's fine. We've got a word for you, too. Um, but as far as loving God with our heart and mind, it has to do with the emotions. The emotional seat, the center, the core of a person. The very uh, act of the will to choose to love and worship God. The second aspect of loving God is loving him with all of the soul. This has to do with the intellect. I like to think about God. Good. Love him. That's what Jesus said to do. Love him. Both the Greek and Hebrew words that are translated as soul carry with them the idea of breath or the breath of life. The Hebrew means to love God with our entire lives. The Greek word uh, that we get that's translated soul is the word psyche. It's where it's uh, P-S-Y-C-H-E, psyche. It's where we get our, Greek, uh, our words for psychiatrist or psychology, having to do with the mind, having to do with the brain, having to do with the intellectual side of loving God, uh, knowing him and loving him in an intellectual kind of way. It's more than just a feeling of warm fuzzies and cute puppies and butterflies and rainbows and unicorns and lollipops and 
Yeah, that's not this kind of, of love we're talking about. It is a love that comes from knowing that the God who created the universe loves you. That the God who made all this stuff around us, the God who is awesome and mighty and powerful and amazing and omnipotent and omniscient and uh, omnipresent, it's a, a, a heady theological kind of love. It's, I, I, I really like this kind of love, actually. We can express our love for God in the thoughts that we have, and we're going to talk more about that in just a few moments. We are to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our, with all of our minds. We are to love him with all of our souls. We are to love him with all of our strength. The Hebrew and Greek words both indicate power. The original languages had to do with physical strength and power. I think that has to do with loving God in the things that we do, the things that we say and they do, and the things that we do. Do they express love for God in the things that we do? Our actions, our behaviors, our motivations, our thoughts, our words, do they express love for God? Am I loving God physically with the stuff that I do? Do we have control over the things that we say? Do we have control over the things that we do? Do we please God with the things that we say and do? Do we have the strength to control our sinful desires and instead repent and do the things that please God? Do we have God enough? Do we love God enough to control our behaviors and to act like Christ? Do we love him enough to do the things that please him? It takes great strength to have self-control and to overcome the sinful nature. It takes great power. It takes great strength. Remember what James said about controlling the tongue, that it is a, a, a fire set on, uh, it, it is a, a flame set on fire by hell itself, that it, that it has great power. It's just a tiny little thing in the, in the back of your mouth, and yet it does so much damage. It takes so much power. It's like a, a ship's rudder. And you think about a, how a, a rudder controls a very large ship, just a very small piece of metal or wood controls a very large ship, so the tongue controls people. It takes great power and great strength to overcome the sinful nature. We are to love God with all of our strength. So basically, to sum it all up, we are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. We are to love God with our emotions. We are to love him with our intellect. We are to love him with our physical strength. We are to love God with everything that we have. Everything about us, everything within us, we are to love God. We respond to his love by loving him with all that we have. We love him with all that we are and all that we have. Pastor Wayne Cordero of Honolulu, let me tell you what, let me tell you he's got a good gig in life, all right? When ministers were standing in line in heaven before the creation of the world, and God was doling out the heavenly lottery of where you're going to serve, Wayne Cordero got in line, and God said, eh, this is this little island of you know, volcanic rock and ash, you know, it's not much to look at, but you know, you want to go there? Yeah, sure, why not? And it turned into Honolulu, and this guy got there. And Anyway, you think about it on a day like today, it's like, man, that's a good gig. Preaching in, preaching in Honolulu when you wake up and it's four degrees outside. Anyway, enough of that. He says, the more you love something, the more you become like it. He says, for example, I had this friend who loves tennis. Okay, he loves to play tennis. He dresses like a tennis player. He reads tennis magazines. He speaks tennis language. He says he's got a tennis racket, and even his head is starting to look like a fuzzy little tennis ball. He loves tennis. He says, I have a friend who loves surfing. My friend who loves surfing talks like a surfer. He acts like a surfer. He owns a surfboard. He goes surfing. He reads surfing magazines. He even smells like seaweed. 
He says, some of you love food. Case closed on that one. But he says, that's why the Bible says the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is the greatest commandment of, of all. Why? And this is important. He says, because the power to change is given in relationship, and what you love, you become like. What you love, you become like. I want to talk practically for just a few moments about loving God with all that we have. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love anyone for that matter? What does love entail? What is love? What is love? And what does it mean to love somebody or to love God? This is tough stuff. This is deep stuff. So oftentimes, when we think about love, we think of not as much about what we can give as much as what we receive. We are very selfish people when it comes to love. We want to receive love. We crave love. We desire love. We need to be loved. Love me, love me, love me. I want to be loved. Yet the Bible, there in Deuteronomy 6.5, and in the three places in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, talks about how we are to love God with all that we are and all that we have. So what does it mean to love God? What does love entail? What does love require? Love requires communication. Love requires sacrifice. Love requires uh, putting someone before yourself. Communication, sacrifice, putting someone before yourself. And that is exactly what God did for us. He communicated to us before we ever were even thought of. He communicated to us. He sent his son. He sent his word. He communicates through his word and through his Holy Spirit. He prompts us. He leads us. He guides us by his Holy Spirit. He communicates to us. He sacrificed his only son on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ put our needs before his own. He put us before himself as he went to the cross of Calvary. God reached out to us in love. Before we ever even thought of reaching out to him. God reached out to you. And he reached out to me. He loved us first. And he proved it. Not just with words. He demonstrated his love for us by sending his son Jesus. So how do we respond to his love? Because that's the real thing here. That's the real question. Is how do we respond to God's love? Because remember God is the one who reached out first. God said I love you. The highlight of my day. Most every day. The highlight of my day. It comes about 7.30, 8 o'clock each night. I say my nighttime prayer with Jonathan. Dear God, sometimes I worry about him at sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I don't want to say nighttime prayer. It's okay, I'll say it. I don't want nighttime prayer. Jonathan, I'm the preacher. Come on. I don't want to do nighttime prayer. Jonathan, okay. Sometimes he repeats after me. Dear God, dear God. Sometimes it's just, hmm, I get the face. We say nighttime prayer. And then as I'm walking out of the room, I say, I love you. And I can hear a little whisper from wife to son. I love you too. I love you too. <laughs> happy day. Happy moments. Great day. Life is great. Life is good. Life is wonderful. Because the little guy this tall loves me. 
But why does he say he loves me? It's because I said it to him first. Why do we love God? Because he loved us first. It's like he shouted throughout, across eternity. It's like he shouted. I love you! And he waits. That's what we're talking about. It's the I love you too. That's what this sermon is all about. The I love you too. So how do we love God? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. For just a second, let's talk about what each of those means. When we talk about loving God with our hearts and minds, we are talking about our core. We're talking about the seat of our emotions, the very core of who we are, the feelings, the emotions. Like I said earlier, I think that this is best expressed in worship. When we worship God, we are telling him that we love him. We worship that which we love. We give honor and praise to that which we hold most dear. We choose to worship the things that are most important to us, most precious to us. If we truly love God with all of our hearts and all of our minds, with all of our emotions, with our core, we will worship him. Not just because he commands us to, but because we want to. Because we realize how much he really does love us, how much he truly loves us, and how great he truly is. Worship is an act of the will. Worship is a choice. I choose the things in my life to which I give the most honor and time. If I love God, if I really honestly love God, then I will choose to worship him and spend time with him. If I truly love him, I will not just give him lip service. I will make him the Lord of my life. He will be number one. It will be God and then Sean somewhere down the line. But God has to be first. In everything, in anything and in everything. If I am giving lip service to God as my Lord, then I will not give him the praise and worship that he so richly deserves. God's goodness, love, grace, and mercy do not change. Let me hear an amen. God's, God's grace, love, mercy, they never change. Think about that for just a moment. God's love never changes. Never. Ever, 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 ever. God's love never changes. His mercy and grace do not change. He has not changed the rules on us midstream. He, remind, he always remains the same. He is not some kind of fickle deity that says, Oh, you know what? Mm, don't feel like being God today. Don't feel like being myself. Eh, I'm feeling a little strange today. You know, I think I'm going to make you all sacrifice a goat. Everybody on the planet, go sacrifice a goat right now. Go find a goat. Because I feel like it. God doesn't do that. God's grace, love, mercy, compassions, faithfulness, it never changes. He doesn't change the rules midstream. His love is always perfect, and he always loves you, and he always loves me. Always, 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 always. Always. God will always, always love you, no matter what. Whitney Houston sang it. I will always love you. God means it. When God sings it, God means it. That is the truth. God will always love you, and he is worthy of our praise and adoration. We also love him with all of our souls. Like I said, in the original languages, this has to do with the intellect. What do you know about God? What can you say for certain that you know about God? I saw, there's a website I I went to the other day. Uh, I follow a guy on Twitter. Uh, His name is uh, Jonathan Acuff. And he runs a website called Stuff Christians Like. And uh, it's really tongue-in-cheek and satirical. It's very, very funny. But he runs this website called Stuff Christians Like. But he asked this question on there the other day. He said, fill in this blank. Jesus loves me, dot, dot, dot. Jesus loves me, dot, dot, dot. 
How do you know that Jesus loves you? What does the words to the old children's song say? Jesus loves me, this I, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know. That's up here. I know that Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. I know that Jesus loves me because he went to the cross and died for my sins. I know for certain, for sure, that Jesus loves me. I know it. I may not feel it all the time. I may not feel worthy. I may not feel good enough. I may not feel like I deserve it, but I know it. And I know it because he died for me. I know that Jesus loves me. His, the Bible tells me that he loves me. He proved it to me. There may be days when I don't feel God's love. There may be days when I am so filled with my own self-pity that I just don't feel God's love. I may be too, too self-absorbed and I don't feel very loved. And what gets me through those days? Knowledge. The knowledge that the creator of the universe loves little insignificant me so much that he would send his son to die for me so that I wouldn't go to hell. And that's exactly why Jesus came. He came and he died so that I wouldn't go to hell. Oh, and, and you too, by the way. That's why Jesus died. To keep us out of hell. I mean, a lot of preachers don't like talking about hell. You know, it kind of makes people squirm a little bit. Make them, eh, I don't like hell. You know, I don't like feelings that makes me sad and depressed. And eh. I'm sorry. It's reality. Hell is a reality. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't put your faith and trust in him for salvation, you will go there. That is the fact of the matter. I'm sorry to say we're just going to start 2010 on a great note and say right there that if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. The good news, though, the silver lining, more than a silver lining, it's a platinum lining. The great news is that right there where you sit, you don't, you, you don't have to. You may be thinking, well, I don't know Jesus. Am I going to hell? Yeah, but you don't have to. You don't have to. See, you can, you can believe that Jesus died for your sins. You can say, I want to live a different kind of life, and I'm, I'm going to repent for my sins, and I'm going to confess that Jesus died for me, and I'm going to confess my faith in him, and I'm going to be baptized. And you can do that today. That's the cool news. You can do that today. When I was a little kid, growing up at First Christian Church, we sang a song called Walking Down the Heaven Road. You can start walking down the heaven road today. That's just a little invitation. We're not there yet, but put that on the back burner for a moment. Because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I am saved. Even when I don't feel worthy, even when I sin over and over again, even when I fall short, when I am preaching the greatest sermon ever preached, and you've heard him, or, or I'm committing the most egregious sin that you could ever think of, and I do, God loves me. God loves me, and Jesus died for me, and he loves you, and he died for you too. From the moment that first sip of coffee hits your lips in the morning, I'll let you think about that for a second. Put a smile on your face. Very nice. Until the time your head hits the pillow at night, and all the way into the next morning when the coffee hits your lips again, God is pouring out his love from heaven for you. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, and 66 in a leap year. God never stops loving us. He never stops loving you. So how do we respond to the knowledge of God's love? We love him with all of our souls. We make that choice to love him and honor him in return. We love him emotionally. We love him intellectually. Finally, we love God with all of our strength. And I think this goes back to honoring God with our thoughts and our words and our deeds. 
We can worship God. We can choose to love God with our souls. But how do we honor God both mentally and physically? By living lives that please him, by obeying his commands, by honoring him as God. We honor him in thought, word, and deed. We turn to places like the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we read where Jesus preaches about what it takes to live a life that pleases God. We read the letters of the apostles who teach us how to live out our faith in other practical ways. We read the Old Testament to find out about what, it like, what it's like to have a relationship with God because that's what the Bible is all about. It's about how to have a relationship with the God of the universe who wants to have a relationship with you. It's not about doing churchy things. Man, we, so often we confuse being a Christian with doing churchy stuff. Be, the, the, old, the, the wonderful analogy of, of sitting in a, in a pew doesn't make you any more of a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a Chevrolet. You can do all the churchy stuff in the world. You can do all kinds of churchy things. It doesn't make you a Christian. Loving Jesus... Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that makes you a Christian. It's not about doing churchy stuff. It's not about getting up, crawling out of bed, going to church on Sunday morning, punching your time clock, punching out at 12 o'clock, or it's going to be closer to 12.10 today. I'm sorry. Um, That's not what it's about. It's not about doing churchy stuff. It's about loving Jesus. That's what being a Christian is all about. It's about going where he wants us to go, thinking what he wants us to think. It's about being transformed. I think I heard something about that earlier this morning. It's about being a transformed follower of Jesus Christ, thinking what he wants us to think, going where he wants us to go, saying what he wants us to say, doing what he wants us to do. So what does God expect us to do? To love him, to love others, and spread the gospel. It's about living a life of purpose and mission, and that mission is possible. The first part of our mission is to love God, and we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. In the musical My Fair Lady, Eliza is courted by a man named Freddie. Freddie writes her love letters every day. But Eliza's response to all of these written promises is to cry out in frustration, Words! Words! I'm so sick of words! Don't talk of stars burning above. If you're in love, show me! Don't talk of love lasting through time. Make no undying vow. If you love me, show me now. May we do more than just say that we love God. May we do more than just give him lip service. May there be more to our devotion and love for God than just some Sunday morning lip service. May our lives be so devoted to Jesus that our love for him is obvious by our actions. You know, God just didn't send us a love letter from heaven. By the way, I love you guys. No, he sent us the ultimate expression of love. He sent us himself. He sent us his son. He made salvation and eternal life possible through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. May we spend our lives, may we spend every moment, every single moment of our lives loving him in return. May we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Heavenly Father, We do thank you for your word that tells us how we can have a relationship with you. We thank you that you have given us the promise of eternal life, the promise of everlasting life with Jesus. We thank you, God, for all the many blessings that we have. I pray that you would teach us how to love you, that it would be our our first inclination every day. How am I going to love God today? Thank you. For your word. 
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your love. May we love you in return. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.